the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper and alongside Dr. Alex McFarland. Alex, good afternoon. Well, it's great to be with you, Jim, and great to wrap up our look at the prophet Ezekiel. Oh, yeah. You know, we we had talked about that uh, as we studied the major prophets, it was going to be like the middle states in the country. It was going to be a flyover coverage. And the day before yesterday, you and I got into some great discussions and instead of a flyover coverage, we kind of made it a microscopic coverage. <laughs> and, you know, there are times that we do that where we'll just take and we'll go through the book verse by verse. But this was going to be a, a kind of an overview of some of the really, I guess, if you would, if you were going to make it like an album, it would be the greatest hits project. And so uh, yeah. it, it's one of those things. And so today we're going to try and conclude Ezekiel. And we left off in the 33rd chapter, brother, I believe is where we were. And I'm going to let you guide us through this. And uh, that way it may be a a bit more condensed that I have a tendency, you know, because, man, when I get on a roll, sometimes I need to pass an offering plate. Amen. Well, that's right. Well, we have church here on Exploring the Word, and and we're so honored everybody's listening. And, uh, you know, there there are a lot of very famous passages from Ezekiel, and we're going to do our best. I'll try to not get us too far into the weeds or the minutia. But, you know, very famously in Ezekiel 33, 11, it says, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, verse 11. Mm. And oftentimes we talk about the darkness and lost people. Uh, but remember, uh, God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. But, um, you know, Ezekiel talks about uh, the rebellion of Israel, and in verse 28 it talks about the land becoming desolate and waste. Uh, its proud strength will come to an end. And, Jim, that's what happens to a, a people or a nation that turns against God. Um, the... Uh, God has a lot to say through the prophet Ezekiel about the shepherds of the flock that are called to, um, well, chapter 34 says, woe to the shepherds, they've been feeding themselves. And here's a good rhetorical question, Ezekiel 34, 2, shouldn't the shepherds feed the flock? They should, shouldn't they, Jim? Well, you said it was rhetorical, so. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, it's I mean, obvious, they should. It is, it's one of the responsibilities, it's. Uh, you know, as you look through that f- first few verses there, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. You know, when you get into that, when we look at that, it, it's kind of like the story from the New Testament where the shepherd goes out looking for the one. You know, the 99 be, may be safe, but he goes to look for that lost one. And so that's part of the caring for of the sheep. Go ahead, brother. Well, you're you're right that our God is a seeking Savior. You remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They had sinned against God, and yet God came in the cool of the day calling out, Adam, where are you? Let, let me read something from 34, where um, several times in chapter 34, God says, I'm going to make a covenant of peace with them. Now, 
The new covenant famously is Ezekiel 36, 26. And this is hugely important, but it says, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, literally a living heart. And of course, folks, Ezekiel 36, this new covenant, it it speaks of the, the new birth, being born again, born from above. But in Ezekiel 34, uh, 26, I will make them in the area around my hill a blessing. Now, my hill is not on, only Jerusalem, but the holy mountain, ultimately God's kingdom. Okay, mm. a blessing. I will send down showers in their season, showers of blessing. The trees of the field will give their fruit. The land will yield its produce. My flock will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. Jim, you and I could do a whole show there. I remember an old hymn I sang when I was a new believer down at Macedonia Baptist. There will be showers of blessing. You that remember was that going song? through my head. I absolutely do. Comes yes, right out of Ezekiel 34. And, and the you know, it, it goes back to say, there shall be showers of blessing, and then it concludes with, you know, showers of blessing we need. And we have to recognize our need sometimes for the to receive those blessings that God's trying to give us. Amen. That That's true. That's true. You know, that song is in my head and in my heart right now. But, um, see, here's the thing. Not only uh, is there, like, prophecy against Edom in chapter 35, uh, but the judgment began with the people of God. Remember, the Bible says judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Mm. But um, the New Testament asked the question, you know, if if judgment begins at the house of the Lord, what is the ultimate result of those that believe not the gospel? And so there was judgment beginning with the shepherds, uh, with the people, because Sin is a reproach to any nation, Proverbs fourteen thirty four. But then God prophesies against, well, let me just say the judgment of God, there's a ripple effect that goes on out to Mount Seir and Edom in its entirety. Now, why? Verse uh, 30, I'm sorry, verse 15 of chapter 35, they will know that I am the Lord. Jim, uh, the world right now, much of our world does not acknowledge the lordship of Jesus, but they will, won't they? Oh, one day, I mean, you know, in Philippians, it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that thou art Jesus Christ, you know, the, our Savior. And that's coming. There's the time that that's going to come. Unfortunately, for the masses who did not know him and are forced to take the knee and make the confession, that's going to be too late. Yeah. It is. And and we always say this, but to everybody listening, if you have never um, made peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ and you're feeling like you need to make sure of that, um, you don't have any guarantee of a future opportunity. So if you're feeling drawn to the Lord, let me say that is not the world, the flesh, or the devil. If you're feeling drawn to God, it's the Holy Spirit. Amen. So respond to that. Well, very famously, very famously, there's a vision in chapter 37. 36 is largely about restoration, and all through the um, the, the warnings of judgment, there's the opportunity for restoration. And even now, we talk about uh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. 
Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. There is no second chance. Please do not be misled. There is no second chance after death. But right now, this moment, God is calling out, Turn to me and be saved. Whoever will call on the, the name of the Lord will be saved. And so there's, there's this promise of forgiveness. But in chapter 37, Jim, I've got to believe this is maybe one of the most famous uh, parts of the Old Testament, an amazing narrative. The very famous French painter Gustave Dore, D-O-R-E, who painted more than 300 biblical scenes, Gustave Dore did a very famous uh, picture of the dry bones a valley of dry bones, Ezekiel 37, and um, this is pretty well known. And uh, Jim, I guess you've probably heard Billy Graham's famous sermons on this and the, the, the dry bones, because imagine imagine a valley. You're standing up on a hillside and just this, this desert, and, and all that's out there is dry dirt and bones of people. If, if anything looked like death, that would be it. And God says, you know, what do you see? And uh, so God says, call out to these dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Isn't it something, Jim, that, look, God says to the bones, I will cause breath to enter you. You will live. I will put on tendons and flesh. In other words, restore the flesh. All right. But it begins with the word of the Lord being called out, doesn't it, Jim? It absolutely does. You know, Alex, in, in all honesty, I had never seen the the artwork of Dior that you just mentioned. And I pulled it up real quick on the Internet, and I have to tell you, that's a very sobering view uh, yeah. of what that valley would look like. Exactly. And, and let me say this. Uh, there's a lot that's been, you know, preached about in light of this very prominently, of course, the nation of Israel. I mean, there's one time in world history that a nation non-existent for two millennia came back into existence, Israel. Amazing. But you know what? God can resurrect churches. God can resurrect marriages. God can resurrect nations. Jim, I, I love the USA. Goodness, I've been to all 50 states. I love, I love, I love the United States of America. But I think we're almost like a valley of dry bones, and we need the Word of the Lord and the Spirit of God to bring us back to life. Am I right? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that uh, really caught me in that that verse, and I'm looking at the New King James Version, verse 6, where it says, I will put snooze on your, snooey on your, on you and bring flesh upon you cover you with skin, and put breath in you. That Mm. is, you know, that's the very thing that brings us to God and changes us into a new creation. And God puts the Holy Spirit inside of us, literally the breath of God. You know, Mm -hmm. you and I talked about that when you were here, and I I had done a devotion on it because you guys covered it in your book, uh, The 100 Questions and Answers, and um, it, it was one of those things that really caught me is that, you know, I've t- you guys know my affinity with the tree of life and when it Amen. reappears in, um, in Revelation. But the same is true with God putting the breath into us 
into Adam and then into us when we were born and then yet again into us when we are reborn. And mm. that, that there in Ezekiel, I know it's the prophecy of the dry bones. But brother, think about that. If people come to know Christ and he, he quickens them with the Holy Spirit and he breathes new life into them, that's what America needs. You're, you're absolutely right. We are a valley of dry bones, but we know the one who can do, who can recreate us and give us new life. Oh, well, amen. And yeah, we're coming up on a break, but let, let me just say this. By the end of chapter 37, you get a prophecy about Israel coming back together. Uh, now, there were some things leading up to this, but generally May of 1948 is the date everybody talks about. But here's the thing. Um, Ezekiel was writing somewhere around 570 to 600 years before the birth of Jesus, okay? And get this, and we're going to talk about it probably after the break, but there's the reunification of Israel, mm. and then in chapter 38 is a reference to this battle well, there's a reference to Gog and Magog. Now, in Ezekiel 38.2, there's G-O-G, Gog. And Ezekiel 38 states that Gog is the ruler of Magog and the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Now, without getting too much in the weeds, here's the thing. There's going to be an attack on Israel, but Israel had to exist again. So Ezekiel's... Uh, 37 and 38 is just like the 20th century and present and future um, events are are coming to pass. Hey, brother, we're going to come back and let you unpack that a little bit. I could tell the music distracted you just for a moment. Folks, this is Exploring the Word on AFR. We'll be back straight ahead. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Michelle Perez, Assistant Deputy Secretary at the Office of Field Policy and Management for the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Her office works to create strong, sustainable, inclusive communities and quality, affordable homes for all. Isaiah 32:18 reminds us of God's blessings of home. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Michelle Perez in her work at HUD. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, Go to pausetopray.org. People try all kinds of ways to get their bearings in life. But Dr. Tony Evans says there's a better source of direction available. Check out this illustration as we spend two minutes with Tony. I had a meeting and I had to take some of our staff with me. So I'm driving with one hand with a piece of paper in this hand in order to get to the place. Pastor Bellamy is sitting in the passenger side and he says, Pastor, 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 what are you doing? I said, I'm reading the directions to where we're going. He said, you got a GPS thing sitting right in the middle of this car. He began to punch some buttons. Boop, 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 boop. Up pops a voice. 
that I've never heard before. Up on the screen pops a mat. He says, this arrow is you. That's where we're going. Throw the paper away. You may not be used to hearing the voice of God. You may not be used to walking with God. It may be a little tough when you first get started to include him in everything all day, all week, to ask the Holy Spirit when you get up to open up your mind to his thoughts, to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the right decision-making power today, to show you who to relate to, how to speak to them, how to stay away from that, how to avoid that. You may not be used to that, but since you're walking with God, he will begin to lead you into all truth so that you experience his direction. Discover more about the working of the Holy Spirit. Check for details on Dr. Evans' two-volume series, Heroes of the Faith, when you visit us online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong, so the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. I'm in a desperate place. Father. You know, that's a great rejoin right there. As we come back to Exploring the Word, I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper, and I'm alongside Dr. Alex McFarland, and alongside... Uh, He's not in studio. I wish he lived in Tupelo and was in the studio every day. But I want you to know, even Mm -hmm. if he lived here, he wouldn't be in the studio every day. Uh, Bert and I used to play a game, you know, everybody knows where is Waldo. We used to play where's Alex. Uh, But Alex, you are an evangelist first. And we are very glad to have you as much as we do on this program because you're you're an anchor for it. But when folks want to bring you to their community, they simply visit alexmcfarland.com. That's the way they can also see where you're going to be and if you're going to be close by. So what have you got coming up? And remind us of how folks can get you to come where they are. Oh, Jim, you are so gracious. You are so gracious. Well, um, this weekend, I'm going to be at Gravely Baptist Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. And I was just on the phone this morning with the pastor, and we're so excited. There are, as I understand it, at least five churches coming together. Uh, Gravely Baptist in Kingsport, Tennessee, Sunday morning through Tuesday night. I'll be traveling there Saturday, but if anybody wanted to talk about doing a revival or a biblical worldview event, just go to my website, alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com, and we will uh, tailor the program to meet the needs of your people. Bert, I, I was on the phone this morning uh, talking to a church that wants to do something for their youth because, you know, youth go to college, and sometimes, uh, sadly, a lot of youth will have a faith crisis after high school. And so I wrote a book called What You'll Hear Your Freshman Year, Preparing for the Ways College Can Challenge Your Faith. So uh, I'm excited about that. And, Jim, I, I certainly appreciate you bringing up the fact that I do travel. But i got to tell you, I couldn't do what I do without AFR, and uh, I'm I'm glad to be out there traveling this nation to tell people about Jesus and also to represent this ministry. 
But, Jim, I want to say this about Ezekiel 38 through 46 and 47 and 48. Ezekiel 38 and, and following... This, folks, I cannot overstate how amazing this is. Let, let me just briefly go over the miraculous work of Ezekiel 38. Because, Jim, okay, in 37, you've got the, the reunification of Israel, but then a reference to the fact that a certain group is going to attack Israel. Now, if Ezekiel 38 alone were the Old Testament prophetic words, the divine origin of the Old Testament would be proven. Because let me explain what happens. Because look, students of the Word of God have always known that Israel would be reborn and that in the last days, right before the return of the Messiah, they would be attacked. Okay, uh, Ezekiel thirty-eight, fifteen, and 16 indicate that Russia will have invade Israel from the north in the latter years. Okay, the latter years, the Jews are in their land. Now, how how would we know that Gog and Magog are Russia? Okay, think about this. In um, Ezekiel 38, it talks about Gog and Magog. Well, the descendants of, of Gog and Magog are, they're two names, uh, Scythians and Tartars. Now, 2,000 years ago, the Greeks, Josephus, the great antiquities of the Jews, book 1, chapter 7, uh, Josephus tells us that the Scythians are called Magogites. Magogites. Okay, Tubal. All right, what is Tubal? The people of the south and north of the Black Sea, Tobolsk. And this is present-day Siberia part of Russia. Meshach, the descendants of, of the northern parts of Russia, Meshach, and history tells us that Meshach is the original name for Moscow. Now, Ezekiel 38.3, this is just amazing. And this is what the Lord God says, look, I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Okay, Meshach and Tubal, uh, the, the original name of the tribes dwelling around what is now Moscow. Uh, Rosh is the word in Hebrew for Meshach. So Moscow and Russia comes from uh, this word Rosh and Meshach. Now, Jim, let me kind of summarize here because I know this is pretty heavy. But the bottom line, look, look at this. It talks about there's going to be a spoil and a prey. Now, the spoil, a lot of people have talked about, is probably oil. The prey is going to be um, the, the Jewish people themselves. I mean, sadly. So who's going to join the attack on Israel? Ezekiel 38, 1 through 12. Arabs. All right. Russia wants the oil. The Arabs want the Jewish people. But while all this takes place, uh, there's security. Look at verse 11. Uh, verse 11 says, you will say, I will go up against a land of open villages. I will come against a tranquil people who are living securely, all of them living without walls and without bars or gates. All right. Believe it or not, the defeat of the Russian invasion. This is very probably going to be in the middle of the tribulation period. Okay. And you can check out, um, well, really, Revelation 16 through 
20, Revelation 16, 16 through 20. But here's the thing. When the Russian invasion of Israel midway through the tribulation fails, this is going to make the Antichrist more determined than ever to destroy Israel. Now, Jim, I'll, I'll hit a break here, but um, here's a book written 550 to 600 years before the birth of Christ, and the chess pieces of the world right now seem to be aligning with what Ezekiel 38 and following prophesies. Alex? Yes. Are you there? Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, you just kind of stopped. I was... Oh, Yeah. Well, you know, the, the what I was going to say was that the chess pieces of the world seem to be aligned for this. And look, as um, I will tell you, currency of the world in the future, mm. there's going to be two things that the world is going to fight over. One is oil. The other is fresh water. That's right. And, and do you know one of the, the world's most preeminent uh, desalination plants is in Israel? They take seawater and they make it what's called potable water, drinkable water. And why is, I mean, here's, here's a country roughly the size of California, maybe a little bit smaller, and literally the nation of Israel is the focal point of the world. Mm. And Jim, when we tell people, we say the Bible is the Word of God. I mean, my goodness, um, you know, 200 years ago, skeptics like Voltaire mocked the Bible because there's Israel this and Jerusalem that. And Robert Ingersoll was an, an atheist in the 19th century, and Voltaire before him. Well, Israel didn't exist, but here we are now, uh, 70 years into the life of Israel. Israel is one of the world's superpowers. Um, Ezekiel uh, 38 and 39 talk about this attack. Now, in Ezekiel 39, it really alludes to the fact that Russia... Uh, after their after Gog and Magog fail in their attack on Israel, they're going to be driven back because um, Ezekiel thirty nine. Look, I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, drive you on, lead you up to the remotest parts of the north. All right, the remotest parts of the north. This is Siberia. Joel two twenty alludes to this is too. Now. The Antichrist is going to strengthen them, and part many scholars, Jim, think that what part of the Battle of Armageddon is, is that after a failed invasion of Israel, Russia is driven back to the north, they strengthen themselves, and the Antichrist is determined to get the entire world to destroy Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, the Battle of Armageddon is not only... A war against God, the minions of the Antichrist and the minions of Satan himself are gathered to fight God. It's also really a, a mandate to try and destroy Israel, but that will never happen. I'm going to say this very briefly. The greatest favor any president could ever do the American people is to be a friend of the nation of Israel. Because back in Genesis 12, God told Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. One last thing, Jim, I, I'm going to hand it back to you. Ezekiel 40 and following is about, Ezekiel really uh, 40 through 42 is about this new temple. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because 
after the battle of Armageddon, there is the millennium, and then there's the new heaven and new earth. And God says, at that point, nothing will defile in my holy mountain. The big picture, folks, is there's judgment for sin, there's restoration of Israel, there's attack by the nations, but ultimately, Israel is victorious, God's people are protected, Christ returns, heaven comes, and I think it's, I know this is big picture talk here, but the fact that Ezekiel 40 through 42 talks about the new temple, Ezekiel 43, the return of the Lord and his glory. Jim, we're looking at end time events laid out uh, by a a 6th century B.C. prophet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, it's very telling that those words were written. And then, as you mentioned, in comparison and, and, if you will, links with Daniel and then carry over into Revelation, that is, you know, we say that God's secret, but God pretty, I mean, there is some mystery there that we won't understand until it's ultimately revealed, but he lays out a blueprint. One of the questions that comes up often And I'm going to ask it because you just listed a host of countries that were against Israel. And right now, you know, America's not doing all it could to help protect Israel. But one of the things that we're often asked is where where is America in final days, you know, in the end times, if you will? Where is America? Because, when again, when you go back and you list all those places— you know, nothing's ever referenced that would even point towards America. And so are we, have we become so outcast at that point that we are are part of those that may be coming to attack Israel? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and you're right that the USA is not, as far as we know, specifically mentioned in prophecy. And why might that be, us being really the world's superpower? I mean, you think about this, Jim. We, we are 4% of the world's population right now. Mm-hmm. And look how God has blessed America. For one thing, it's because America was unequivocally founded on biblical principles. Hey, let me just say this, folks. Um, a lot of skeptics say America was not founded as a Christian nation, many college professors tell their kids that. Uh, I debated Christopher Hitchens, uh, the late atheist, and he he was not a believer, sadly. He died of cancer. But he loved America, and he wrote a book on Th- Thomas Jefferson. It's a great biography of Jefferson, even if it was an atheist that wrote it. But in the first chapter, even Christopher Hitchens says America was founded on the Judeo-Christian biblical worldview. So America has been blessed Uh, like no other nation, prosperity, innovation. I mean, the USA gave the world air conditioning, uh, electricity, automobiles, airplanes, you know, penicillin. It's amazing. And plus liberated France and saved the world from Hitler and Hirohito. But what about America? Okay. Uh, In Isaiah 18, 1 and 2, there's this eagle, this emblem of of America, the out outstretched wings there's there's an eagle from beyond the sea of israel now maybe that's a reference uh, i i don't know um the, there's a nation of mingled people in jeremiah 50 
a nation of mingled people, a nation who coexisted with its mother and is founded at the hour of her decline. Now, some have wondered, well, goodness, uh, England is our mother, and all the time of America's birth and life, England has been in a slow decline. You know, I, I don't know. Um, Jeremiah 51 talks about a nation bordered by two long oceans and possessing the world's longest river. I don't know. Is that Atlantic, Pacific, and Mississippi? You know, I, I don't know. But but let me say this. One thing we do know, if we are a friend to Israel, mm. Genesis 12, God blesses those that bless Abraham, and he curses those that curse Abraham. We need to stand with our longest ally in the Middle East, the only stable democracy there, Israel. Amen. That's good stuff, Alex. Um as you continue to talk about the latter chapters of Ezekiel, tell us a little bit more. I mean, because when I look in in chapter 44, it talks about those admitted to the temple. Yeah, um, well, a good, good point. Let me say this. To go into God's holy presence, you must have the righteousness of Christ mm. about you. And the way you get that is through faith. Now, there's a lot in this about Ezekiel measuring the temple, and it's about um, the disbursement of God's lands. Many think that talks about the allotments of lands to the believers. But the beautiful thing, there's a new heaven and new earth coming. Amen. And it says in chapter 48, Yahweh is there. You can be there too, friend. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840 is the number to call with your Bible questions this afternoon. We'll take your calls next on Exploring the Word on AFR. Now more than ever, Christians are looking for a news source they can depend on to give them news coverage from a conservative biblical perspective. We strive to do that at American Family News. We're looking for a Christian journalist who feels led by the Lord to help us accomplish this mission. If you have training and preferably experience in the broadcast journalism field, we would love to talk with you. For further information, contact News Director Fred Jackson at 662-821-2033. I refer to your part-time jobs as what you do outside of your home, outside of your family, to generate an income for your family. Your full-time job is what you do within your family. We're on the go consistently, people are hustling, trying to get it. And I just want to remind everybody to whoa, 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 the breaks. make sure that we are not neglecting our families in the process. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Show up at your full-time job, ready to work. <laughs> Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. No one likes to suffer difficult circumstances. In this era of easy believism, it's often conveyed, if life isn't always smooth, we're doing something wrong. The scripture teaches us, however, that our Lord often meets fruitful branches with additional pruning. The pruning is not punishment. It's actually to make us even more fruitful. If you're in a rough spot right now, take heart. What may feel like the squeeze to end all squeezes could very well be the Lord's pruning for additional fruitfulness. 
When the Lord prunes us, He does so for our good. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Luke chapter 8, verse 35 says, They found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Michelle and I once visited a butterfly aviary. We saw each step of the growth of the butterflies. They began as fat caterpillars crawling around, gorging on leaves all day long. But then they stop eating and form a cocoon around themselves. At the right time, there emerges a beautiful butterfly. The Bible says that Jesus takes our dirty, sinful lives and wraps us in the cocoon of His cleansing and forgiveness. By His power, we emerge as a brand new creation. Jesus radically transforms every life He touches. In Christ, you have a new identity. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. Good afternoon and welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And Alex, I, I feel that um, I've been remiss because Alex, uh, or pardon me, Bert is doing the the fishbowl retreat right now for pastors mm-hmm. and brother i think we should pray for him and Amen. pray for the pastors that are participating would you do that for us let's do that father god in this october pastor appreciation month we lift up bert harper he has pastored for so long and is like a uh, pastor and chaplain and mentor to all of us, and he and Jan are now on the road ministering. So, Lord, we just pray for your hand to be upon what they're doing, quicken their mind and all that they speak, whether it's from the from the podium or just in counseling and encouraging people. We pray the Holy Spirit's blessing on their work at this time and all the churches across America. Lord, uh, we pray for the thousands of churches and millions of members and some estimate a half million ordained clergy in America. Mm. Father God, raise us up champions for Christ. And Lord, send a revival and bless our pastors as they labor over their respective flocks. And we ask it in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, Bert and Jan work so hard. I, I don't begrudge the pastors having time with them, but I do miss him. You know, he, oh, we do too. He's he kind of that rock. Bl- well, you know, he and I pray on the phone at least once a week. We just get a phone call and we pray for the show and we talk about, you know, um, you know, preparation and things like that. But Bert is, oh my goodness, he is a jewel and he certainly is a mentor and encouragement to me. Amen. Me too. Well, let's go to the phones now and we're going to start with Chris calling from North Carolina. Chris, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, hey, how y'all doing? Doing well. Good. All right. Hey, so I, I love eschatology, so this is like my favorite subject when y'all talk about it. I love I got excited, and I'm, I'm glad to be able to make it in today. Um, so my question is in regards to 
Gog and Magog. I know a lot of people say it's Russia, um, but my first question is, uh, it's a two-part question. My first part of my question is, um, is Gog and Magog also supposed to be the, the beast that rises, you know, out of the, that with the great wound that the Book of Revelation talks about? You know, it falls, you know, and then uh, it also represents the, the kingdom of the Antichrist. And uh, if, 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 if that's the case, you know, would Turkey also be a good candidate? The old Ottoman Empire, since it's risen and has fallen, be a good uh, candidate to also to be Gog and Magog? And I'll just listen to you all from here. Well, great, great question. Daniel 7 talks about this little horn that arises out of uh, a, a beast that many think is Rome. Okay. Many people think that the Antichrist will arise out of the revived Roman Empire. Now, uh, the the Gog and Magog that, or I'm sorry, you, you talked about the beast that suffered a wound and survived. Um, I don't think that's Gog and Magog. I, I really think it's the Antichrist, um, literally. And, and Jim, not only as the Antichrist quickly builds his confederation of nations, you know, there's going to be a, a person, First John 2 talks about that the Antichrist is coming. Now, First John 2, 15 through 22, talk about the spirit of Antichrist. By the way, Jim, you know, it's very interesting, First John uh, 2, 22, the spirit of Antichrist. What is that? What, what is the mindset? First John 2, 22, the spirit of Antichrist begins with denial of Christ's deity. Mm-hmm. says, who is Antichrist but he who denies Jesus has come in the flesh? So whenever you hear somebody say, well, Jesus is a good teacher, but not the one and only Son of God, I mean, that's the mindset of Antichrist. But I, I really think the beast who suffers a deadly wound but has this masquerade resurrection, I think that is the Antichrist himself. Um, that John describes in Revelation 13. Right. All right, Chris, thanks for the question this afternoon. That was a good one. Uh, not that any are more important than the others. I want to be clear about that. But, you know, when we have to scratch our heads for a second, that's when we know we've moved moved beyond the the simple, if you will, or the, gosh, I'm, I'm just going to stop talking. Mike from Arkansas, welcome to Exploring the Word. So I always get a little bit concerned when we, we're so sure that America may not be part of end times prophecy, and the book of Revelation tells us not to add to it and not to delete from it. So I understand that. But throughout the rest of the Bible, there are other verses like John 16 and 12 that says, I have much left to teach you, but you cannot bear it now. I do believe that America is going to be a very big part of end times, and I'm just I'm just wondering why we don't put America out there as what it very likely is, and then perhaps be guarded about what prophecy means. And why do we think we know every single bit of prophecy? I'm not saying we should be reading between the lines, but it's pretty darn obvious to me that America has to be part of what's happening in end hey, times, and it would be... <clears throat> hey, Mike, thanks for your que- thanks for your comments, man. Uh, I appreciate those. But Alex, I think you did a pretty good job of explaining how America could be in the end times and that although it's not listed and you even gave great scriptures as far as the land between the two oceans with the longest river and you know so Mike we're not saying America's not going to be part of the end times Mm -hmm. I just simply mentioned that's a question that we get often 
Because, you know, when you look in Daniel, when you look in Ezekiel, when you look in Revelation, it doesn't say the United States of America. You know, uh, it gives yeah. great reference to, to Gog and Magog being Russia, as Alex explained. So, you know, Mike, again, we're not discounting that America could be involved. We just often get that question. Alex? Yeah, and, and by the way, great question. Thanks very much. And you're right, we are the world's superpower, and I've got to believe, and, and this is so exciting, folks, as we pray for revival and as we, as a nation, as citizens, as, as students, uh, as we stand for and with Israel and we stand against anti-Semitism, and uh, that maybe, Jim, we ought to do a show on anti-Semitism. Mm. It seems like that's like almost the one racism that's allowed to go unchecked. But here's the thing. Um, the Bible doesn't specifically mention the United States of America. Why? Well, the Bible was completed around 95 A.D., and as we all know, it wouldn't be until 1776 that the good old USA was born. So I, I think God didn't specifically mention America because, you know, for um, 1,600 years, people would not even know what that meant. And the nation... Um, if there are two nations that are preeminent in the Bible, it's Israel and the kingdom of God. So here's the thing. Um, I'm not saying that America won't exist up until the very last of the end times. I think it probably will. Um, but And there may be some inferences about you know those that are friends to Israel and the eagle spreads her wings, things like that. But I don't think there's any overt, explicit definitive reference to America, although it may by inference be there, but explicit is just not there. All right, Mike, thanks again for calling this afternoon. We sure appreciate it. So we go from Mike in Arkansas to Michael in Texas. Michael, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Um, I have uh, heard something recently that I have never read or heard before. And uh, there was a minister uh, saying hey, that. Hey, Michael. Seven, yes. We're having a little bit of trouble hearing you. Are you on speakerphone by chance? Oh, yes, I am. Let me take it off the speakerphone. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Um, I've never heard this before until recently, but I heard a uh, heard a minister um, speaking that. After the uh, seven years and the uh, thousand-year reign, that the Antichrist, Lucifer, would be given a second chance uh, by God. And, uh, you know, I've never heard that before. Well, let me say this. Um, the Bible says that near the, right at the end of the thousand-year millennium, Satan is loosed for a little while. Now, you might think, you know, why in the world would this take place? But see, there are going to be some children born in the millennium. And I think, uh, Jim, um, to show the darkness of human nature, um, there, there are going to be people here. Jesus is in person ruling and reigning from uh, Jerusalem. The Lord is here. Satan had been bound for a thousand years, but in Revelation 27 and 8, He's loosed for a moment, and some, once again, follow him. And those that 
deny Christ at the very end of the tribulation, they are going to have the greatest level of revelation since Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm. You think about this, perfect environment, God is physically present, all revealed truth is known. I mean, Jim, you think, but this, see, this is the wickedness of the human heart. I mean, uh, look, look at this, Jim. We're in the millennium at that point. Mm-hmm. We know all of the Bible is true, fulfilled, and Jesus is in Jerusalem, physically present. And then in Revelation 20, uh, when Satan is loosed for a moment, even then some choose to follow him and stand against Christ. You know, that is, hey, Michael, great question. We appreciate your calling this afternoon. But, Alex, that is, uh, you know, when we think about that, we see it reminds me of when Christ was here and was training his disciples and spending time with them and traveling here, you know, here to four. And everybody could see him. They could see his good works. They, They had firsthand knowledge of who he was. And yet the political persuasion at that time with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, instead of hearing the truth of the Word of God, because it wasn't revealed in the way they thought it should have been, then they dismissed him as well. Do you think, and I, we know Satan is is nothing if not repetitive, so do you think That's he's... That's true. I would, yeah, I was going to say, do you think that he's just going to pull dust, uh, uh, knock the dust off of that and try it again? Yeah, absolutely. And and think about this, folks. This is like the lies of the left even right now. All right, you read in Isaiah 14 how Lucifer, and this is how sin came into the world, first of all, there was a rebellion in heaven, and then Satan has tried to make war on the human race, the ones made in God's image. Satan couldn't kill off God, so he's tried to harm the image bearer, the human race, mm-hmm. Adam and Eve and all of us. All right, look, but they're in a perfect environment. How did Satan achieve an attempted coup of heaven? Well, he went around and lied and said, look, there is something better than this. Hey, trust me. Yeah, I'm. If you follow me, I'm going to give you something better than this. Revelation 12 verse 4 says, a third of the angels fell with him. Now here's the, here's the left. We've had America prosperous, blessed, free, liberty, opportunity. You can come here broke and become very successful. And yet the progressive left says, oh, trust me, I'm going to give you something better than this. Hey, I'm going to tell you, if we lose our constitution, it's going to be different but it won't be better. Just mm-hmm. like those demons that fell with Lucifer, Revelation 12, 4, they got kicked out of heaven. Uh, it's different, but it's not better. Right. But that's the human heart. Just like you said, Jim, the Pharisees and Sadducees were in the presence of the promised Messiah, and they they knew it. And yet, they they many, not all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at somebody like Nicodemus, of jo- Joseph of Arimathea, you know, many did accept Jesus, right. but many didn't. Friends, you be one of the ones who believes, and you'll be secure with him forever. Amen. Jackie from West Virginia, we're going to try and answer your question. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi there. I love you guys. God bless you. Thank you. Bless um, you. 
Uh, my father was a Baptist preacher, and uh, uh, I left the main Protestant, some of the Protestant church, because they were going to gay ministers and marrying gay people. And I was called to go to a Catholic church, and we had one of the first married uh, priests. He was Episcopal um, Protestant, and then now he's a married priest. And I was called Deborah God. I know I was because May thir- May of thirteen, God whispered in my ear. It was a voice said, "Look up," and then I had a dream, and He said, "I, w- I wanted to know why He said look up." And, he said, Jackie, that's simple. Look up, I'm coming soon. Mm. And so I was talking to him uh, Sunday, and I believe in the rapture, and I believe the pre before, you know, before tribulation. My question is, how do, how do I respond to him of not believing in the rapture? I told him I did. You talking about your, pa- your priest? The priest. Okay, Alex? Well, I'm sure he does believe that Christ is going to return one day, literally return. And, you know, all strata of Christendom believes in the return of Christ. Um, I actually write about this in my book, Stand, Core Truth for an Uncheckable Faith. Um, The rapture is, um, I believe it's biblical, but some people, um, they just believe that Christ is going to return and they don't really get into the heavy details of the fine print. Jim, we're going to have to unpack that in more depth on a future show. Is that okay? Oh, I I believe so. I think that's a great way to do that. Uh, Hey, Jackie, thanks for your phone call, and uh, we hope that helped a little. And folks, if you didn't get your question in this afternoon, send it to word at AFR.net. That's word at AFR.net. Alex, thanks for letting me hang out. Yeah, folks, check out our book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers. It's available everywhere. It's available at the AFA store. Jim Stanley, thanks for being on. Hey, folks, tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.